We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Fantastic, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how you doing, brother? Wow, much better intro than compared to the other day when you said the frugal one, Fachi. <laughs> so I, I can live with that. Frugal Fachi. Hey, I am doing great, Alex. How are you? Man, I am fantastic. I'm ready to answer these questions because we had some awesome questions come in today for the mailbag. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. The, the next question I think you're asking comes from Gage. All right, Gage said, how long do you guys see the Pacers continue in a rebuild status before trying to make a big move to try and be considered a top team in the East. Do you think it's soon or still a longer term process? I honestly gauge, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I think they could make a, a, a solidly big move this offseason. I don't think that this team wants to, to be in rebuild mode much longer. I think that we saw with how Halliburton played and how everybody meshed with him this season that we are ahead of schedule. So I, I personally think you, you heard some rumors out there that the Pacers are interested in this player and OG Ananobi and John Collins and, you know, whatever. And then Kevin Pritchard even addressed it. We made the calls. We just didn't agree to a deal. And I think, you know, that right there tells you the Pacers are interested in maybe making a splashy move because I think they feel like they have something here with the core unit that we have here. And so, I don't know what it'll take for them to be a top four team in the Eastern Conference because there's a lot of talent in the East right now. But I would just say this. The Pacers are on the rise. People are excited about them. Tyrese Halliburton's ceiling is through the roof. And if you can add talent to this team as well as hit in the draft this year, this team is on, in my in my opinion, Fachi, they are tra- projecting to a top six team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, Gage, it's coming. I really do feel that the Pacers make 
a solid move this offseason. Dare I say, be aggressive, as they said before. But look, this time around, four picks in the top 31, it's way too much for any team to be able to really use outside of an OKC. The Pacers already have young players that, to be honest, feel too good to be, you know, losing long-term. A guy like Tyrese Halliburton makes everybody around him better to the Mm -hmm. point where losing, you know, for a few years just doesn't really feel like an option. Benedict Matherin, a a potential star in the making, Miles Turner, the move to extend Turner for two years was a winning move rather than a selling move. And they're also going to have about $26 million in cap space. Plus, they'll also have expiring contracts like, Buddy Heel, Daniel Tice, that'll basically only have one guaranteed year left. So I feel Jordan like Nawara. Jordan Nawara, yep. Um, but they have options that I feel like they could have made the play-in game this year if they wanted to and still could, which means that basically <laughs> a fringe playoff team, but you're talking about when you're actually trying to win and make big moves in the offseason. I feel like, to your point about being a top-six team, I feel like the Pacers are a playoff team next year, potentially top-six, but definitely at least a playoff team. And I feel like past that, you're going to continuously have guys like Halliburton, Matherin, Nemhart continuously get better. And that doesn't even include with whoever the Pacers might take in the draft. So I think that next year we're back to the playoffs. Man, I love it. And, you know, you said be aggressive this offseason. Like, I understand last offseason was pretty quiet, but don't forget they, they did go after DeAndre Ayton. They offered him a max contract. So The largest restricted free agent offer sheet in NBA history, that is. Say it again. The largest offer sheet in <laughs> NBA history was yeah. presented by the Pacers. They went for it. I uh, mean, they, they really did. They were aggressive last offseason, and I think – while I was very high on DeAndre Ayton, it may have worked out better because Miles Turner stepped up huge this season. He came back on a team-friendly deal. Uh, I don't think center is the position that you really need to address as like your most expensive position. So, mm-hmm. you know, Phoenix is in a title contending window. We're in a trying to make the playoffs window. So totally different ways to go about spending your money. So personally, you know, while I would have loved the DeAndre Ayton era, if he would have came here, I think it worked out better for us because of all the flexibility we have moving forward, Fachi, especially with the team-friendly deal that Turner took. So anything you want to add before we move on? It's just a blessing in disguise because what if the Pacers did have to include a first-round pick? You know, maybe that mm-hmm. could have been just Cleveland's first-round pick, but whatever it is, you don't know. And to your point, it doesn't make sense to be paying DeAndre in 30 to $40 million per year when you're not that close to contending. So the Pacers created far more flexibility with that Turner extension that you mentioned. I think that was the perfect deal for the Pacers. Awesome, Pachi. Number 10, our, our next question here, this is question two on part two, comes from Corn Snob. I love the Twitter name, and I love the picture as well with the, with the corn in the profile picture. But Corn Snob said, if you had to choose between keeping James Johnson or George Hill for next season, who are you choosing and why? Let's assume the contract figures are the exact same. This was really tough. This was really tough because James Johnson feels like he was the perfect veteran for this team this year. He's also a legitimate tough guy. So he is extra respected um, and he doesn't really need to play, honestly, at all. George Hill, on the other hand, I think he wants to play a little bit more. I don't think that he wants to kind of end his career just really not playing. But 
the memories that I have with George Hill really sway me towards wanting to say George Hill, but I might lean James Johnson here. Yeah, the sentimental side is going to say George Hill because mm-hmm. he's a former Pacer. He's from Indiana. He wants to retire here. Uh, Scott Agnes, when he joined me last Friday, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that yet or not, but he basically said like that's the plan. George wants to finish out his career here. So, you know, we we know George talked about maybe one day being like a one percent owner of the team or something like that too. So, I can see why it makes more sense for George Hill. I think that it's nice having an additional ball handler just because you can never have too many on your team. And if you're going to have a veteran one, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, James Johnson hasn't been so much of this team, Fachi. I honestly don't think there's a way you can really replace him. They did waive him to make that deal official, but they brought him right back because that's how much he means to this team. It's how much he means to Halliburton. I think if you were to ask Halliburton who he would pick, he would say no disrespect to George Hill, but James Johnson's like my brother. You know, I I don't want to let him go. So I think, like you said, probably James Johnson just because of how much he's meant to this team already. But personally, I think there's a spot for both of them still on this team moving forward. There very well could. There could. It all depends on what the Pacers do with those draft picks. How how much talent are they bringing in? But something small was uh, against the Pistons uh, two games ago, uh, James Johnson's son was in like the pregame mob with, with, with the Pacers, and, and yeah. it just feels like a family affair. And we talked about it, how when they waved him, he sat in Halliburton's parents, you know, courtside seats. Yeah. And it was just like, there was no love lost. There was no like, well, James Johnson could explore other teams. It was like, it felt like it was like, hey, assuming he clears waivers, he's coming back to Indiana. And I think that his relationship with, with Carlisle, having, you know, uh, played under Carlisle in Dallas, and just the fact that this is a guy that you don't want to be on the wrong side of. It just feels like what he says goes from a locker room standpoint feels Udonis Haslam-esque type of like, hey, man, you don't want to mess with that guy. And I just feel like that goes a long way with setting the tone. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and honestly, like I brought this up in the first part of the mailbag, I talked about, well, if you trade a TJ McConnell, then George Shell definitely makes more sense to keep on the roster. So that's another way to look at it. I, I just feel like, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to pick between these two because I think both are so important to the franchise in different ways. I completely agree. That's why I'm with you. If McConnell's moved, George Hill, you could accomplish a lot with having that veteran guard ball handler on the team. But to have both of them feels like you could potentially be taking a roster spot away from, you know, a young player that could continuously develop while George Hill is more of a, you know, hey, sentimental, you know, we have him on team, love to have him retire as a pacer type of situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Flashy. So for next question, we have Jay Robbins Mark said, with $25.79 million in cap space, the Pacers have some spending money. Any free agents catch your eye? I know the Pacers haven't been a premier free agent destination due to being a smaller market uh, and higher income tax, but could some non-star players be swayed by working with Halliburton on offense and Turner on defense? This is a great question. I think we'll be able to give you a better idea of what we think in the offseason when we can probably really sit down and think about this. You know, I've been a Jalen McDaniels fan for a while. I don't want to keep saying that name. Uh, but he's a guy that's out there. KJ Martin's a name that's out there. He's a free agent uh, with Houston. You know, honestly, Fachi, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going to say Karis LeVert is a joke, but hey, right. I, I can't even say it without laughing. So I'll just keep moving. But 
No, there are some intriguing names. I, I, if we needed, a, if we didn't need so many guards, then you know, uh, if we excuse me, if we didn't have so many guards, then it would make more sense for like this free agency class because there's a lot of guards in this. But I'm curious. There's two veteran guys out there. I'm sure you have one of them written down in Harrison Barnes. But what are your thoughts on Harrison Barnes or Chris Middleton? The thing with Middleton is I, I know he's been hurt this year and he's kind of been coming off the bench for the most part and his numbers are very much down, but Middleton's being paid like an absolute star player. I want to say he's making like $35 million per year. So, so mm-hmm. I just don't know if the Pacers would be able to a 37.9. Yeah. I don't know if they'd a be able to pay him what he wants and B be able to get the same production from Chris Middleton. I I, I hope that he can come back to be, the player that he was in the past, but I'm a little bit scared off by that. Yeah. Now the other name that's out there that I'm I'm not really a fan of him. He kind of annoys me. He's been kind of in the headlines talking a lot recently. Uh, Draymond Green called him out quite a bit. Dylan Brooks. I've always been kind of intrigued by him as a player, but I think there's just like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. There's too much with him overall, but I, I like that he could bring some toughness to us. I just don't want us to turn into what Memphis has turned into where everybody just quickly turned on them and actually like went from like the lovable up and coming team to the hated team. I know. And that happened very quickly, but yeah, for Dylan Brooks, it was like, I really did like him a couple of years. I liked him coming out of Oregon, but I just yeah. feel like he's become not like a dirty player, but I don't know. There's just like something oh, going dirty. on over there. Yeah. I'll just call him. He's a dirty player. All right. Yeah. Uh, and, and at that point, I don't want that to kind of infect us that much. Plus I know he'll be looking for a payday. So I don't know if we're the team to give it to him. Uh, I know that they mentioned uh, the question had some smaller name players. Some of the other ones that I kind of had some bigger name players on there, but I don't know if we're going to like Cameron Johnson is a player that's going to fetch a payday, but I feel like he's someone that could fit this team that we've talked about before. You have your your Rui Hachimaras, your PJ Washington's Uh, for the bigger names. There's Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma, um, but I don't know if the Pacers are really going to be in the running for maybe any of those players, maybe PJ Washington. We'll see. Um, I'll throw one at you real quick. What do you got? He was actually drafted by the Pacers. I knew you're going to say George Niang, aren't George you? George Niang. I had that player written down as my small option. George Niang has developed. That guy can hit threes, and he's actually a vital part of what Philly's doing. So I'm right there with you. It's uh, I, I Philly's an interesting team because there's a lot of buzz around James Harden leaving, going back to Houston. <laughs> so what does that mean? Does Joel Embiid get tired of all the back and forth of this roster turnover? Because it's like Ben Simmons completely flailed on him. Jimmy Butler was there for like a season. They didn't pay him. Means we could go to Miami. It's like they just haven't been able to surround uh, Joel Embiid with long term stability. And you just gotta like wonder, does that implode or anything like that? And Obviously, George Niang is not going to be a long-term priority of theirs either. So, went to Iowa State, good friends with Tyrese Halliburton. We're I, like best friends. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a name to keep an eye on, especially if they let O'Shea walk. Yeah. No, that would be very interesting. And honestly, I would be all for it. And I don't think that he would, you know, I think he would come at a very reasonable price. So, right now, he he just made $3.3 million. So, it sounds like someone that you could probably get for, I don't know, maybe $6 million a year or so. Who knows? But either way, definitely someone that the Pacers could realistically be in the running for compared to some of the bigger names like a, a Jeremy Grant who probably resigns in Portland or has other suitors. Yeah. And like you said, it's just going to come down to what do we do in the offseason? Because 
with all the draft picks, with the trade potential, we just don't have a lot of roster spots. So it, it's going to be difficult to really go out there and make some big splashes in free agency. But I think we'll get some more clarity on what this team looks like before then, because I think that's when you'll see trades happen. But Fachi, let's move on to the next question. This one comes from Brett Skidball. I appreciate the pun there. Brett throwing his name at the beginning of basketball and saying Brett Skidball. So uh, if you're curious what that said, uh, he said, what kind of rebuild are we doing? A long development rebuild or a quick turnaround to become a playoff team again? Current team suggests a long rebuild, but the players we've gone after, Aiden, Inanobi, Collins, Top, and Vanderbilt, suggest maybe a quicker turnaround. Um, here's the thing. I don't think that we could afford to do a long type of rebuild because you want to keep the fan base invested, but also you want to keep a guy like Tyrese Halliburton happy because Halliburton headed towards a max contract. This guy wants to win. And -hmm. and I think that players like Benedict Matherin want to win. And I think that this team is too good to lose for years to come. We talked about last episode, the, the major splash the Pacers attempted to make going after DeAndre Ayton. And I think that last offseason kind of set the stage for, okay, let's trade a player like Brogdon so we could open up more playing time for Halliburton, save some salary, bring in a guy like Neesmith, bring in a pick. You know, then the, the extension of Miles Turner really sent a message for, hey, we are not trying to be sellers. We're actually going to be looking to be buyers. And I think the Pacers tried to accomplish that at the trade deadline, but as uh, as KP says, it takes two to tango. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did say that, Fachi. Um, they've been rebuilding for the last two seasons. So even though last year they didn't come into it with the intentions of rebuilding, they did. So you rebuild in 21-22, you continue the rebuild in 22-23. Yes, like we talked about, the roster is not super deep, but they've got pieces on it that make sense. You, you add a couple stars to it couple potential stars to it then you feel like you have something special you know so i think that they're more in the quicker turnaround type of thing Fachi. it's not going to be a long rebuild like you see with a team like okc or even a team like detroit recently like they've been bad the last two to three years so i don't i don't think you're going to see that i think maybe you see a chance at the playoffs next year which we talked about being a playoff team so I, I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing because they know the fan base won't embrace that because it's just not who we are. It, it's it's 100% true. I think that the Pacer fan base did a great job this year remaining invested and not saying like, oh, this team stinks. It was like <laughs> everybody had that mentality of like, hey, we knew it wasn't going to be this year. And to be honest, I'm thrilled with what I've seen when last year – like, there was that moment where we we're like, all right, I'm tired of losing every game by, like, three points. We can't beat anyone when it matters most. And where are we going? So I feel like everything got real low pretty much before the Pacers signed Lance Stevenson. That injected some life into this team. But I also feel like the Pacers knew that they needed something to be able to sell the fan base on. And just the play of Halliburton, Matherin, that's been enough for all of us to really start to dream big and say, you know what, it's not going to be this season, but what if it's next year? What if we start to really develop? And for that, I feel good about where we're heading. Absolutely, Flatcher. Let's move on to the next question. Next question, we got Andrew Smith. He said, best best power forward free agent option for next year. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's the number one power forward uh, on the rankings. Draymond Green's right behind him. Kristaps Porzingis is in that group. I think if you're looking at age-wise and stuff like that, Kyle Kuzma does make some sense. You know, we talked about that at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, Fachi maybe making a play for him. But 
if you could sign him in a free agency to a decent contract, get him here. He's not the worst player. No, he's not the best player either. He's a good player that I think has done a good job in Washington. Found a nice home there. I don't know if he wants to stay there long term or not. Pachi, you might know a little bit better than me on that one. But um, I just, I'm just not sure about Kuzma long term, even though I like him as a player. If you're going more of a veteran, maybe a little bit cheaper, but a guy that can fill in right away as a veteran, I think Harrison Barnes has got to be probably the best realistic potentially option just because you, you, you like the upside with him. Yeah, I think that Harrison Barnes is very realistic for the, the names that I had. I got Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma. I don't think the Pacers are going to be the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes, and I do think that Kuzma re-signs with the Wizards, but on a on a fat payday that I don't think makes much sense for the Pacers. Um, other than that, it, it's kind of slim pickings out there because, yeah. you know, you have like I'm not interested in Christian Wood. I'm not interested in Kevin Love. Jeff Green is like older than dirt, you know, good, good veteran player. But I mean, he's not going to move the needle for the Pacers at this point. So I, I feel like it's it's kind of tough. I think that if you're going to upgrade at power forward, it's going to come through trade or it's going to come through the draft. Yeah, there's not a lot of free agent, free, free agent options out there that really scream, let's do it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like if I have to put my thumb on one, you know, that's why I picked Harrison Barnes. But one guy that I overlooked, and there's a couple guys that are restricted free agents. Guy that I always bring up, P.J. Washington, obviously, he's restricted. But Grant Williams, another restricted free agent. Not saying that, that it's a great fit at the starting power forward, but um, I just don't see a lot of great options out there. And I think maybe you go a little bit younger, restricted, maybe a little bit cheaper than than overpaying for guys that are unrestricted that you're you're in a bidding war against. Yeah, that's a good point. I heard, I did hear, and who knows what ends up happening, that Grant Williams was looking for $20 million a year. I'm sure um, he is. Yeah, I bet he is. And who wouldn't? But, you know, I'm like, if he's not, if you don't see him as, you know, developing into a, a fringe-type all-star, it, it gets a little bit tough to, to pay him $20 million when you do have to pay some other people on this team, like a Halliburton, give him the max, give him a blank check, give him whatever he wants. Uh, the Turner contract, very affordable. And then the rest of the guys don't really need to be paid uh, yet. So I'm, I'm happy about that unless you decide what you want to do with Buddy. But I would lean like a P.J. Washington over uh, Grant Williams. Yeah, I would too. I just want to like bring that name up and get made fun of again. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Oh, man. Let's move on. Next question here. Evan Noggle said, if you could play one-on-one -on -one with any current Pacer, who would you pick? Not necessarily to win, but for fun. Well, I love me through not necessary to win because look, let's be honest, we're not beating anyone. All right. <laughs> I anyone the who's, same thing. <laughs> anyone who's reading this, listening to this, whatever it is, we're not beating anyone in the pages. I don't care if you think TJ McConnell's not that tall or anything, it's not happening. But <laughs> I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton because he's the man. I would stand no chance, but I would love every second of it. Even if I'm letting up buckets, I'd be like, you know what? This is an awesome experience. Oh, Fachi, this is a funny question. Oh, man, I don't even know who to pick. I mean, honestly, like, Tyrese would smoke me. I, why would I want to play him one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, I have no chance. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think here. Who do I think I would have the best chance against one-on-one? -on -one? Oh, this is awful. I Rick Carlisle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I Probably Daniel Tice would be the best person for me to go up against one-on-one, -on -one. <laughs> just because I feel like... Uh, if you're looking at everybody on the roster, uh, maybe, maybe James John. I don't even know. I don't want to play James Johnson. I feel like he'd yeah. kill me. And you, you know what? I'm going to pick. It to you. I'm going to pick the hometown hero George Hill. I think 
it'd be fun to go up against a guy that I watched in the pro-am and just a guy that's grown up an Indiana kid. I would love to say Matherin, but he's just going to make me look stupid, talk so much trash. I might not like him after that. So I'm going to go with George Hill. Seems like a nice guy. Would nicely rip me to shreds, and then, you know, uh, that'd be it. I wouldn't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> no, I mean, there at one point, look, I'm the kind of guy when I play basketball, I'm always talking trash. And I would love to do that against Matherin, but after about the first basket, I don't think I'd have anything to say. Because I'd be like, oh, man, this, this is going to be embarrassing. And I think at that point, he'd probably shut me up pretty quick. With Halliburton, you know, maybe he could at least beat me with a smile on his face. Maybe I'll smile back. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, anyone who's listening to this, please don't think that you stand any chance against any pacer. McConnell might be small. But there's no way you're going to be able to dribble against him or anything of the sort. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Tice will dunk all over you. So uh, it, it's it's pretty tough out there. So whoever you pick, just just have some fun with it. Absolutely. And when I'm out there playing ball, Fachi, like nowadays, I used to be okay when I was in high school. Like I was in decent enough shape. I could rebound the basketball pretty well. Good passer. Could shoot the ball okay. But but now I'm so out of shape. Like even, even though I lost some weight, it, it's still bad. So most of the time I'm just out there making jokes about my weight when I'm playing. Like, oh, please stop running. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> One of those. So that, that's that's who I am. I'm like, hey, quit running. You know. And I'll and I'll foul to to stop the ball so I can catch up. So there you go. I, I'm that I'm that old fat man that nobody likes playing ball with anymore. But finally, go ahead and read the last question. All right, Ed Lolly, hey, a long faithful listener. OG, yep, OG Ed, right over here. He said, uh, "Let's assume the Pacers end up with pick eight or worse in this year's draft. Knowing what we know now, would you trade all of this year's picks and a conditional future pick for Jabari Smith Jr. from Houston?" Man, Fachi, this is uh, what a question. I this think is tough. Jabari's been playing great. I'll just put it out this way for you, Ed. Yeah, they probably haven't loved the development from him early on in the year, but it's he's a rookie with a terrible system, a terrible coach, and no offense to Steven Silas, but what they've been doing. I know they just beat Boston the other night, <laughs> which was crazy. kind of hurt us in terms of we needed them to lose games, but I just feel like they are not as down on him as everybody thinks they are. No, he might not have been their first option. He kind of was their last option at three. So he's a great player. Personally, for me, I don't think I would give up all the draft capital for him, Fachi, but I would be very intrigued by it because I think that he could be a lights-out player with Tyrese Halliburton, and we just had a question of the best option of power forward and free agency. Well, if you could get it in Jabari Smith Jr., I think you have to be really intrigued by that. Here's the thing. Jabari Smith, we made him look like a star last week. We really did. But He's he looked sh- good the last couple of weeks, Fonch. In March, he has looked much, much better. If you, if you look at his numbers, he's shooting oh, about 55% from the field. But on the year, he's actually only shooting about 40%. He has struggled at times. And I think for a guy that was rumored to be at one point the number one overall pick – he has not been talked about at all, and I think that being in Houston is actually doing him a major disservice. I think that right now they, they got problems over there. But when you're talking about all of this year's picks and a future pick, uh, it kind of feels like a lot. Maybe that's just me being a sucker for a mystery box, but it, it just kind of feels like, you know what? What if, what if the Pacers could strike gold at eight and use those other picks to maybe you know move up or, or something like that? I'm not 100% sold on what Jabari Smith Jr. could be long-term, but I do think this could go either way 
because he's still super young. He's now scored 20 or more points in three straight games. So maybe I'm just wrong on this, but I just love the idea of the Pacers having this many picks when in reality they could easily woof on two or three picks and have them not really be guys that materialize. We've seen it with your, your TJ Leafs and your Gogos before, but for right now I'm saying I, I might just want to stay pat with the four picks for this year and the first-round pick for next year. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, with Jabari, at least you kind of have a sample size of what he can be in the NBA. I will say this, Jabari's numbers getting better is a great sign because I, I just personally yeah. think – what we've seen Halliburton do to elevate everybody else, just imagine how much having a guy like that on your team can help elevate your game. So, you know, it's it's like a 50-50 thing, and it's a great hypothetical question. So I would love to hear everybody else's opinions on this because part of me is like, well, that's a lot of picks to give up for Jabari Smith. And I, and I think it is because I don't really feel like he's like the Paulo Bancaro type of level of star. I, think I don't think so either. I'm with I you. think he's like a second or third option on a on a good team. I don't know what he is on a championship team. It's too early to tell. I mean, come on now. So I, I think that you have to consider it because think about a guy like this, like Larry Markkinen. Everybody was like really excited about him coming out of the draft, goes to Chicago in the Jimmy Butler trade. And honestly, he didn't really pan out in Chicago. Everybody's ready to move off of him. He goes to Cleveland and he has a really good year, but not like great. And then all of a sudden he gets traded to Utah and he's an all-star. So you know, I think a lot of times it just takes time for guys to develop. So, yeah, it, it could be intriguing to trade for him, but I just think that would be giving up way too much right now to trade for him. But I just don't think Houston does it anyway. Yeah, I don't think Houston does it because you're talking about a lot of later, you know, first-round picks outside of, you know, potentially six to eighth overall. But I think for the Pacers, you're starting to see, eh, you know, this, this kid could be good, but – might not be as good as we thought initially. So I, I think that you just want to stay pat because, A, you know maybe you don't draft a player better than Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, in the draft, but what if you took all those picks and made a big move for a more established star like we saw, you know, perhaps the, the Cleveland Cavaliers make a move for Donovan Mitchell, that type of move where you need draft capital young players in order to pull it off. Yeah, and I think one thing, too, it's like you probably want more of a shot creator mm -hmm. than what Jabari Smith is. He's more of a guy that is a beneficiary of creation by others. He's not one creating for others. So to me personally, you already got enough guys that need the ball, like Buddy Hill, Ben Matherin. They're not guys that are really creating for others, and I don't think Jabari is going to be in that same boat. So I think you probably like, and I know we talked about it on the last episode, or, or excuse me, the one we did on Monday night, how awesome like a fit like Brandon Miller would be. That's just because he's a he's a playmaker. He he can be a six nine playmaker. And I think having an additional playmakers out there and guys that can move the ball are better than guys that need the ball. And I think the one negative with Jabari is he needs the ball. So um not a bad thing, but it, <clears throat> he's not gonna really create for others. And I think maybe you could find more of a creator in the draft with your with your draft pick. I'm on board with you there. I, I just think that Jabari Smith Jr., man, I mean, maybe, you know what, maybe a year or two years from now, I'm completely wrong, and he ends up reaching his full potential. But for at this moment, uh, I don't think you're going to trade four picks for him, or at least, you know, I'd say at this point it would be five if you're talking about a future yeah. pick. Five top 31 picks for, for Jabari Smith Jr. Sorry, that's where I draw the line. I think I draw the line at that future pick being included in there because – 
At that point, the Pacers don't own anyone else's first round pick. That would be their pick. And that's that's where uh, I go. You know what? I think I'm out. Yeah, absolutely. That that wraps it up here for part two of the mailbag. Great conversation. Uh, and thank you for the questions because you made our conversation a lot easier to have and a lot better for, to have than some of the ideas we come up with because I kind of get uh, basketball fog sometimes, Fachi, when it comes to like thinking of ideas. So the mailbag definitely opens up your mind to think about things that maybe you didn't think about. It's completely true. I, I, these were some great questions today. Honestly, you know, a couple that really had me, you know, just going back and forth. Do I want to sell the farm for Jabari Smith Jr. or, or you know what? Hmm, like who does fit this team long term, or who's most likely to go? You know, these were some great, great questions. I thought these these questions were going to be far more draft related. Mm-hmm. today because we're starting to kind of inch towards March Madness but no you could see people are still really fascinated with like which players are going to stick the long term and who could be trade chips for us yeah I mean it, it was honestly we we got a handful of our um originals that send in questions but we had some new people sending some questions today so that was really awesome to see um like hearing from different people I, I love the OGs and I love hearing from the original people don't get me wrong but it's cool to get more people involved in the conversation as well, Fachi. Completely agree. Always love seeing the new names. And at the same point, always love seeing some of the classic names on there. Really appreciate everybody who stood with us, you know, all these years and the new people that have joined. Maybe, maybe it's this season, you know, maybe it's within the past month or so. However, you heard about us really appreciate you. And Hey, tell a friend. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Tell a friend. And Fachi, go ahead and tell, people where they can find us out on social media so they can tell a friend where to find us. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F a C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. You can find us on Facebook setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. But Alex, Tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. <laughs> Love the excitement, Fachi. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and let us know what you think of our videos. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Substack. Please do that. Setting the pace podcast.substack.com for all of our written content that we will be having moving forward. But Fachi, if you're excited for the future with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and Miles Turner, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Sweeping